0: Many of you are no doubt familiar with the writer of The Little Prince, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Both he and the Little Prince have amazing wisdom and insight into human nature. In one place, Saint-Exupéry has written, Being in love does not mean looking at each other, but looking together in the same direction. I've often thought of that phrase in the context of marriage, that being in love means not so much looking at each other all the time, but but looking in the same direction. I first encountered the quotation in a book about the relationship between St. Francis and St. Clair. Uh, noting that they shared a love in Christ and following the love of Christ, though that shared affection was sometimes misunderstood as affection for one another. I've thought of that line from Santa Zupere because I've celebrated a couple of weddings recently and have talked with a couple of couples who are thinking about marriage. But I think of it newly in terms of trying to have hope for our day, hope for our culture, for our country, for our world. I've been thinking a lot about that as I try to wrap my head around the the hatred and the violence and the nastiness that's so much a part of our own day. Love of neighbor feels like a far-fetched idea when respect for neighbor is no longer even a given. And yet, as people of faith, of, of any faith, it, it seems like we are first and foremost called to be people of vision, to have a vision, and for that vision to be of God and so I've been thinking a lot about what it might be for us with other people to at least begin trying to look in the same direction. Um, whether it's in a relationship with another person or a coworker or neighbors or political or ideological opponents, what might it mean for us to agree at least on looking in the same direction? Just to start there. <laughs> And of course, we might disagree on how to get there, on where to stop along the way, or how fast or how slow we might want to move, but but at least to try to find that vision. But which comes first, the vision or the faith that such a vision might exist? Well, that's a question that I think our scriptures today try to ask alongside of us and perhaps even answer. The gospel that we just heard, of course, brings out one of the wonderful stories of Jesus's healing. And it's a story that is known and loved by many of us because it finds its expression in our central stained glass window. uh, Right there in the middle over the altar, The, the window up top is of the raising of Lazarus. But the window in the bottom right there with Jesus in the center shows the healing of Bartimaeus, the blind man. He's just there to the left, sort of uh, not wearing much clothes and on the ground as he reaches toward Jesus. The others are over there on the right trying to make what they can out of the situation. We don't know exactly why those windows were chosen to go there when this church was built in 1899, Um, but I love to think that those central images, the top one of the raising of Lazarus, an ordinary person who was raised to new life by Jesus, and that lower window of the healing of Bartimaeus, an ordinary person who who found new sight and new vision in Jesus. I like to think those images were there uh, to give hope and to encourage faith in those folks who first encountered this church. People in Yorkville were a rough-and-tumble bunch around 1899. A lot of recent immigrants from all over the globe who didn't get along with each other. We have parishioners who remember when their mother wouldn't let them play with the little girl across the street because even though they both looked white and came from Europe, they were from Hungary and these were from uh, Czechoslovakia or some other other slight uh, difference that families remembered and made a big deal out of. And so people came into this place as a place of refuge, a place of home, um, a place where vision might be restored and increased. That story with the healing of Bartimaeus happens as Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and near the end of Jesus's earthly ministry. And so Jesus has been telling his disciples over and over again that the kingdom of God is in their midst if they'll only see it. But here the gospel writer gives us a wonderful irony because it's the disciples who, though they, they seem to have good eyes, they can't see what's in front of them. And it's Bartimaeus who is, is actually blind, who sees Jesus as being the source of God's love and healing for the world. The disciples are a little bit like a person who might be outdoors and see a rainbow, a rainbow, and so all of a sudden they run inside to get their camera to take a picture of the rainbow, but by the time they get out, the rainbow's gone. <laughs> the disciples do that again and again. They miss the moment that's right there in front of them, trying to control it, trying to understand it, trying to reason it, trying to figure out what comes next. Bartimaeus, on the other hand, is open to the kingdom of God when it breaks in. Jesus hears the faith in Bartimaeus' voice, and Jesus hears what probably sounded a lot like desperation and suffering. And so Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus says, let me see again. And Jesus then says that the man's faith has made him well and sends him off. Bartimaeus regains his sight. And yet, instead of going off, he turns around and follows Jesus. He becomes one along that way of Jesus. Now, we know that healing in our world doesn't always come that easily or quickly. Even though we pray for it, we want it, we hope for it for ourselves and for others, it, it doesn't always happen that way. Too many of us have wrestled with sickness or a broken family relationship or, or grief of some kind or, or addiction for far too long. We pray for healing, and yet healing doesn't happen. I think we're forgiven if we begin to get a little bit of a little bit cynical if we begin to lose a little bit of faith. If we read scripture that's what happens to God's people again and again and again as God gives promises people try to believe but they lose faith. They lose faith often for good reason. We heard a bit of that in today's first lesson those words of Jeremiah as they come to the people of Israel promising that God will bring them home. And yet, how must that have sounded to them? Uprooted, robbed of home and livelihood, a people turned into refugee into refugee status. How might those words of promise hear? And yet today, how do those words of promise sound to God, especially to Jewish people? who throughout history keep being persecuted. Where is that hope? I'm grateful to be preaching among Christians today and not having to come up with a hopeful word for a community of Jewish believers, though they are in my prayers and my heart. And yet again and again, the Jewish followers of God come to new places of faith, new places of hope, and we're called to do the same. This is where faith comes in. Where faith has come in, where faith always comes in because there's a place, there's a kind of holy place in fact that that exists between seeing and believing, a place between the reality as we may experience or experience it or see it and the vision of God's promises. And that middle place is a place of faith. It's, it's a place where we wrestle with faith, where we listen for faith, where we cry. We might yell and scream at God, with God, until we hear God yelling and screaming alongside of us. Little by little, over time, we begin to detect the whisper of God's presence, of God's voice. We feel the nudge of God's hand reaching for our own to pull us into some new place. As surely as that image of of Jesus reaching to Bartimaeus and Bartimaeus reaching back. This process from faith to healing can be a long one. It's not always easy. Uh, Though the psalm promises those who sowed with tears will reap with songs of joy, there can be a long time between the tears and the joy. On Friday in the National Cathedral in Washington, I think there were both tears and signs of joy, as there was a service of thanksgiving for the life of Matthew Shepard, and his ashes were interred in the National Cathedral. You may know that building in Washington, the so-called National Cathedral—it's actually a nickname. It's a diocesan cathedral. It's simply the cathedral for the diocese of Washington. But by its location and its openness to everyone, um, it's become something of a national place. You remember Matthew Shepard is that 21-year-old who 20 years ago was beaten because he is gay and left to die in the cold. His parents have turned that tragedy into one in which they speak out and they go around the country and they encourage kids to move beyond bullying and to to try to feel and know acceptance in a new way. And so on Friday, his ashes were laid to rest in a service of some 4,000 or so people. And so there were a lot of tears, especially as people noticed the realities around us. People continue to be persecuted and threatened because of their beliefs, because of their gender, because of their skin color, their ethnicity, their sexual expression, on and on and on the list goes. And yet there were seeds of hope as well as a new resolve develops, as faith is increased not to let this happen again, as people look across the room and find that there are others who believe as they do and find strength in a word of love, a word of hope, a word of promise. At that service on Friday, an Episcopal priest, who is the cousin of Matthew Shepard, read those amazing words from St. Paul to the church in Rome. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those words are often read at funerals, but they really can be read every day in our world, in our country, um, as they instill in us a hope that in the end, God wins. In the end, love wins. And that's the vision that we are given to take care of, to, to live with, and to live out of, and to share in the world, as difficult as that may be. Nothing separates us from the love of God. Even if we lose sight of the vision here and there, even if we lose focus, even as we feel like we're stumbling around like blind people sometimes, God's vision continues. Seeing is not always believing. With belief, we can see more deeply. We can see more truly. We can see more deeply into the grace of God. And so we live between seeing and believing, perhaps, as we try to draw faith from the persistence and the ongoing faith of Jews and Muslims and people of all faith, praying that we too might gain a new vision for our day, a new vision for our church, a new vision for our lives. Let us follow Christ in the way of peace.